seat. The word undaunted means not intimidated or discouraged by difficulty, danger, or disappointment. Synonyms for undaunted are courageous, gritty, determined, and daring. I want you to wrestle with a question for the next few moments. What would it look like if our faith looked like that? If our faith on a regular basis was daring and gritty, determined, courageous, undaunted. How often we wake up every single day and and we pray before a meal or we pray before bed or we recognize God's there. So we'll throw up a prayer, maybe read a Bible verse or an inspirational quote. And all those things are good, but when's the last time we pursue God courageously? When's the last time we pursued him and we wouldn't stop until we got him? I think a lot of times we think, God, you do your part and I'll passively do mine. No, no, no. The faith, the Christian faith is all but passive. It's active. It's gritty. It's undaunting. And so over the next few weeks, we want to look at stories in scripture of women and men, all of whom pursue God with a courageous faith. Now, I get to introduce our message series with one of my favorite stories in Scripture. But I'll tell you right from the beginning, it doesn't look like someone who has undaunting faith. It's about a guy who climbs a tree. I mean, that's really the essence of the story. But it's one of the greatest stories ever written. Not just in the Bible, but in history. It's so great that I want to break it down almost like a little play. Like a narrative. And we're going to look at this in three acts. Because you're going to see how the character develops in all three acts. You're going to see tension and you're going to see resolution. That only can be explained by a person who pursues their faith with a grittiness that no one can take away. It's the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, act one. It's all about him being a tax collector. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 19. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke 19, open up on your phone, do whatever you need to do. We're going to be there the whole time. And we're going to take apart this story. And Luke is going to tell us some pertinent information about Zacchaeus. And at first you're going to say it's not really a big deal. But oh man, does it set the stage for where we're headed. Act 1, Zacchaeus the tax collector. Here's what Luke tells us. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region and he'd become very rich. Zacchaeus is rich, very rich, and Luke makes sure to tell us that, but why? See, there's nothing wrong with somebody having wealth and working hard to earn it, right? But what would you say about someone that was wealthy and literally stole it from people? took it from people, ripped off people. Would you think of that person as a good person at that point? Because that's what a tax collector does. You see, here's what happened. The Roman government would take over a city and they would look for a person, a native of that city, to be a tax collector, to be the person between that city and the Roman government. And that person's whole job was to collect taxes for the Roman emperor and for the Roman government. The problem, though, is this tax collector, when he got taxes, he didn't just go to someone's house by himself. He would go in a group of three. 
here's what would happen. Let's say he comes to your house, he knocks on the door. And you open the door and you recognize it's a tax collector and he's there to collect taxes. And you know that you say owe him in American dollars, let's say $200. And you get your checkbook in the first century, they didn't have that, but go with me. Had your checkbook writing up $200 and the tax collector would stop you and say, you're right, you owe $200 to the emperor. But today's check you're going to write is for $400. And you're like, what? What do you mean? I only owe $200. See, a tax collector would do this. They would collect $200, make sure to send it to the Roman emperor, and then they could collect as much as they wanted for their own selfish gain. And you would say, how does he do that? Remember I told you the tax collector doesn't go by himself. He goes with a group of three, tax collector, and two armed Roman guards. So if you refused to give it or you didn't have it, all the tax collector had to do is tell the Roman guards to attack and they would beat people down to the point of death. What kind of person would trade in they're standing in the community, trade the, turn their backs on the people that they love. These are their family, their friends. These are the people they'd see at the grocery store. These people turn their back, work for this despicable Roman government, Take money from them and then take even more money so they could have money and power and status. Who would do something so despicable? Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector who was very rich, that person. He traded in love and intimacy for status, power, and wealth. On the outside, it looks like Zacchaeus, he has it all together. It looks like he has many things, more than most people had in that day. But I can prove it to you that on the inside, he was empty. He was longing for more. He hated his life. How many times in our world does it look like we have everything on the outside? We have a smile, things are going well, but on the inside, we are desperate. And we can fake it, we can put on a mask, we can have all these things. You could come to our house, we have all these nice things, and we can drive a nice car, all these things. But let me tell you, what happens if you gain the whole world but forfeit your soul? Zacchaeus was trying to get his soul back. Because he didn't want to live this life anymore. Which takes us to act two. Zacchaeus, the tree climber. Let me prove to you that I know Zacchaeus was empty and longing for more. And he was tired of what he's been doing in his life. Here's what Luke tells us. In verse 3, Luke says, He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. Two observations here. First of all, how do I know that Zacchaeus is empty and longing for more? Because he's heard rumors of a man named Jesus going town to town and bringing something that only he can bring to change somebody's life. And instead of going to another house and exonerating money from them, he finds himself in a crowd hoping to see Jesus. He doesn't want his old life anymore. He doesn't want to continue to be known for what he's done. He's tired of that. He wants his soul back. And so he goes and he finds where Jesus is. Second observation. It tells us that he was too short to see over the crowd. Remember when we used to have crowds? A long time ago, eight, nine months ago or so. 
let's say that you are at a parade, football game. You're at a concert. Usually, here's what happens. I sit down, I get comfortable in my seat. I'm excited for the concert or the game. And this giant seven foot five man, of all 70,000 spots he could be in in the arena, he sits right in front of me. <laughs> and now I can't see, I'm looking around, you know, and it, it's, it's really annoying if someone super tall stands in front of you. But the same thing can be said the other way. You're sitting down, you want to see, and then this four foot seven person comes, you're like, thank you, Lord. <laughs> when someone's short in front of you, you don't have to tell them to move because they're short. You can see above them, right? Then why can't Zacchaeus see? People saw Zacchaeus and knew what he represented. Nobody would allow him in front of them. Even though this guy was short and most people could see over him, they basically said to him, you get into the back of the crowd because you are a despicable human being who have robbed us of all the financial security that we had. You are a disgrace to our community. So get in the back of the crowd. And thus, he can't see Jesus. And so what does he do? He goes and Climbs a tree. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way. No one would allow this man into the crowd based upon who he is and what he represents. And so Zacchaeus had to go and find a place where he could see Jesus. And so he starts to climb a tree. Now, you're not going to find what I'm about to say in the Bible, but I can infer it based upon what we see here. Because Zacchaeus was a true human being like you and I, full of emotion, full of fear, full of doubt, full of so many things. And so, I wonder what is going through Zacchaeus' mind when he climbs that tree. I wonder if he was so embarrassed. I mean, he could look over at this crowd, he sees family members, friends, people that he lived life with, and he traded that in for status, power, and wealth. And now, no one wants him. Now he's excluded. Now he has to climb a tree to see Jesus. I wonder if he thought it was insanity. Have you ever gotten to a point in your life where you're tired of living in a certain way, and so you say, tomorrow, I'm going to change. And so you get the confidence, you get the courage, you're going to go to church, you're going to read the Bible, you're going to read this book, you're going to start a new diet, you're going to do all these different things, and then the next day comes, and by 9 o'clock that night, you're eating a bowl of ice cream in front of a TV thinking, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> I wonder if Zacchaeus is saying, what am I doing trying to see this Jesus? It's not going to work. I have a lot of money, power, status. I should just go back to that. I wonder if he thought that, going back to what's comfortable and familiar. I wonder if Jesus, he's climbing, or excuse me, Zacchaeus is climbing the tree, he thinks, what am I doing? I'll never see him. He's not going to see me. Wherever Jesus went, he was the epitome of a rock star before we knew what a rock star was. He was the guy that he couldn't go anywhere without people chasing him. He would have people around him, pressing in on him, thousands of people. So there would be so much chaos where he would get. The chances of Jesus seeing him, of all of these people, probably thought, man, 
What's really going to happen here? Will he really see me? Zacchaeus finds himself isolated in a tree because he's trying to get his life back. And he knows everybody over here have turned their back on him, and rightly so. He deserves it. But Jesus, Jesus does the undeserving. He does the unfathomable. He does what you and I would never, ever, ever do. And thus leads us to our third and final most important act, Act 3. Zacchaeus, the transformation. For the next few moments, I'm hoping God touches your life like you've never seen it before. Because this will change your life if you allow it to. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and he called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said. Now this is dripping with irony. You English folks out there, you know what that looks like when you're reading a story and you're like, he's excluded, he has to go up a tree, and he's isolated, and he doesn't love his life, and no one will even talk to him. And then the king of the universe, the lord of all lords, the savior of the world, is walking by and looks up, and he says these healing words. Zacchaeus. And he said it with love. Most people said, oh, there's Zacchaeus. Jesus said, Zacchaeus. If Luke would have stopped the story there, I will tell you it would have been a great story and we would have walked away thinking that Jesus is a really nice guy. But if you're familiar with scripture, Jesus doesn't care about being nice. Jesus is scandalous. Some of you people are like, what did he just say? I'll repeat it. Brendan Manning in his book, The Ragamuffin Gospel, calls Jesus scandalous. He's shocking. And he's about to do something that's going to change lives forever. At least Zacchaeus's. Quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He, was, he has gone to be a guest of a notorious sinner they grumbled. So Jesus, he has to go to dinner at Zacchaeus' house. Why? Because Chipotle wasn't there. I mean, where else are they going to go back in the first century, right? No laughs today? Man, yeah, tough crowd here. No. He had to go to Zacchaeus' home. Why? To show how scandalous Jesus is. Let me ask you this. How does Zacchaeus buy the home that he is in? By ripping people off. How does Zacchaeus buy the food he's going to serve Jesus? By ripping people off. <laughs> Jesus goes, I got to go to your house. Right where you're at. 
I'm going to meet you right where you're at. I'm going to go into your home and have dinner with you. And how was he met, especially by those who were the religious leaders of the day? They booed him. They protested. They said, are you kidding me? How could you go into the house of the notorious sinner? But Jesus looked at the crowd, and he just smiled, and he walked in and closed the door. Christ followers, how many of us, when someone from a different political party, different race, different person in our family that we don't like, a different friend that's turned his back on us, whatever it is, when somehow they meet Jesus, are we protesting? Are we saying, how could Jesus do that? Or are we saying, God, thank you, because I am just as notorious of a sinner as he That's why it's scandalous. You see, I've heard this said over and over again. And I tell people, you're wrong. When I hear people say, well, Christianity is just another religion. Or Jesus is just another religious figure. Let me tell you, you are wrong. You see, every other religion in this world, every philosophy, every book that sells how you can be happy and we buy it by the billions, we change our thinking, we change to be more positive, we do all these things, it has the same message, it just looks different. It says this, come down from the tree and go and change jobs. Go and be a good person. Go and try something new. Go to church. Go read the Bible. Go pray. Go give. Go do all these things. And then if you've done enough and you've worked hard and you've disciplined yourself and you've carried it through the last few days and weeks and months and maybe years of your life and you've turned out semi-okay, then maybe I will have dinner in your home. That's what religion says. Do these things, be these things, become these things, be a better version of yourself, and then hopefully you will be loved and valued, and then you can go and live the life that you want. It's a bunch of garbage. You can't throw Jesus in the same sentence as you do other religions. They don't fit. For Jesus says... Zacchaeus, get down here. You and I both know why you're up there. If people really knew what was in your heart that led you to lead this kind of life, you and I both know I should never, ever, ever step foot in your house. I'm not going to ask you to change your job. I'm not going to ask you to go to the temple. I'm not going to ask you to pray. I'm not going to ask you to say sorry. I just want you to accept my invitation to dinner and be my friend. That is scandalous. That is grace, which separates Jesus from all other religions, from all other things that we're striving to have in our life. It's the reason why 
Um, J.D. Greer, he says it this way. In that day, to go to their house and share a meal was a sign of very intimate fellowship. To eat with someone meant that you were accepting them, that you were committing yourself to a loving relationship with them. Jesus is saying, Zacchaeus, I just want to be a friend. I want to accept you for who you are. I want to have dinner with you. I love you. It's what Dominic Dunn says about grace. It's infinite belonging. Zacchaeus has felt like an outsider for a long time. Yes, he has caused that, but it doesn't matter. He still is an outsider. And Jesus comes and he says, you belong to me. And then he says, because you belong, I'm going to tell you some things about your past, your present, and your future. I'm not going to coerce you. I'm not going to force you. But now that you belong to me, let me tell you the truth. And when you know you belong, you can start to believe. And when you belong and you believe, it is the fuel to becoming like Jesus, which is changing our life. Because look how the story ends. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor Lord. And if I've cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. And Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man was shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. When you and I realize that the God of the universe is not sitting up in heaven mad at you and angry at you and isn't conditional with you like everybody else is in your life, and you realize all he wants to do is have dinner with you, you realize you belong. And when you belong to something that will never, ever disappoint you, it's unconditional, it is everlasting, then you start to believe it. And then you start to become like it because it's radically life-changing. How else do you explain a man who was a money-hungry, stratus-driven, power-trip person who turned his back on his family and friends to someone who is humble, generous, kind, and willing to give everything back because he found his purpose in Christ? Belonging leads to believing, leads to behaving or becoming like Christ. Not the opposite, which religion tells you. Do this, and then maybe you'll trust it, and then maybe you'll feel love. No, no, no. Love and belief are the fuel to life change. And let me tell you something about Zacchaeus. He wasn't halfway in. When grace touches your life, it changes you from the inside out for the rest of your life. My favorite part of this verse is when Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. That word salvation in Greek literally means to take someone from a destructive place in their life and place them in safety. Salvation means to take someone that's in a very, very, very dark pit in their lives for whatever reason and take the hand that's extended out and they'll pull you out. 
Or in this case, grace is saying, come down from the tree. I want to be your friend. I want to have dinner with you. I can't tell you how many of you, and even in my own life that I've talked to, who are going through a really hard time in life. It aches me to my soul to know what some of you are facing. Some of you look out into life and you just stare at the abyss of insignificance. Some of you have walked away from Jesus, though you come to church and you read your Bible, but you're not in love with him anymore. Some of us look at what we've done in the past and say, you know what, Zacchaeus did some bad things, but you don't know what I've done. There's some of us who just feel hopeless. Jesus says, I want to reach out and pull you out of that. Just take my hand. For some of you, you've lost your first love, Jesus, and you've gotten into a a dark pit of trying to please God rather than knowing that he's just pleased with you because of Jesus. Get out of that pit. Some of you have gone back to some old ways of life, and look how it's hurting you. I've heard people going back to familiar ways and even unfamiliar ways, but some bad patterns during quarantine and COVID. Take his hand out. Wherever you're at in your faith, he will pull you out. And if you don't know who Jesus is, or you don't believe in God, I hope you'll never speak the word religion and Jesus in the same sentence because they don't go together. But if you want to know what the God of the universe really is, look up. You'll see somebody in a tree, and all he's going to tell you is to come down and have dinner with you. You know what's mind-blowing about this story? It doesn't end when Zacchaeus' life changes. You see, when Zacchaeus comes down from the tree, it's only the beginning. Because a while later, as Zacchaeus comes down from the tree, Jesus is going to take his place on a tree, a cross. The only reason that Zacchaeus could come down is because Jesus was willing to go up. He's willing to do that for you. You see, when you belong, you can't help but believe. And when you believe, you become like Jesus. All Jesus is saying to you today is come down, and I want to have dinner with you. And then let me do the rest. Will you allow him to do that for you? Let's pray together. Father, for somebody to say the Bible isn't relevant to our life has never read Luke 19, 1 through 10. We all are excluded. We all have a past. We all do bad things. A lot of us are harming people right now. I mean, it is just a disgusting world. But you walk by the tree that I am in and you just tell me to come down. I want to have dinner at your house Lord, I pray that we would invite Jesus back into our home. We don't have to throw things into a closet or clean it up and then invite Jesus in. No, you just want to come in so you can clean the mess for good.
Expose the closets. Expose the basements. Expose the attics of our life so that you can come in, clean it out, and I can believe in you so I can become like you. For your glory. For my good, Jesus. Amen. Someone will be around to dismiss you soon. Have a great Sunday. Go Browns. Talk to you later.